Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. Join Rabbi Michael Siegel of Anshe Emmet Synagogue in Chicago and author Jonathan Eig as they talk about this week's Torah portion of Vayikra, the power of the peace offering. So weekly, we pray for the rebuild, actually daily, I should say. Uh, we pray for the rebuilding of the sanctuary, the temple. That when we talk about returning to Jerusalem in the prayer book, what is implied in certain sections is made um, clear in other, clearer in other sections, which is that we are really praying to rebuild the temple, Yibaneha Mikdash, as it's said. And the question is, if we took a vote at Anshiyama this Shabbat, just a you know straw poll, do you want to rebuild the temple? How many hands do you think would go up? Yeah, probably not a whole lot. I'm not really looking forward to that sacrificing part. Not all the, you know, the smell of barbecue. Yeah, and I think the vegetarians are going to be united in their opposition. Hey, listen, they can offer a meal offering. They have their grains they can offer. You know, we, we, can, we can work with that. Um, and why do you think that people have such a visceral response to that? Why do you think people are not open to returning to the sacrificial order? Well, it just seems something so distant from anything we can relate to right now. You know, the, the idea of sacrificing an animal to make your prayers heard, to give thanks, um, is just so far removed from where we are today. And um, and it's, you know, it's a messy business. I, I just, um, you know, we've we've evolved, I guess. I hope. <laughs> At least our aesthetics have changed. We use a phrase like, we have evolved. I think there's an, a modernism that kind of, pokes its head in there that says, well, we've evolved, so we're on a higher level. And the rabbis actually never thought like that. They were constantly plumbing the depth of meaning in the Torah. And some of the most beautiful interpretations are in regards to the sacrificial cult. And we sort of kind of pass it by in, in the reform movement, much of the book of Leviticus is not even read in synagogue because it's deemed to be irrelevant to people's lives. And on one level it is, but on another level, we're sort of denying ourselves the teachings that I think our tradition offers. So I'll give you one example of what I mean by that. There's a sacrifice called Zivach Shlamim, an offering of well-being, of shalom. Now, when we think of Shalom, you know, what, what comes to mind? You hear the word shalom, what does it mean? Peace, I guess, is the first thing that comes to mind. That, that's the most common interpretation. But actually, if you look at the root word of shalom, it is the word shalem, which in Hebrew means to be whole. So what is peace? Peace means it's not the absence of fighting, but that people have reached a place where they feel whole. In a conflict, that a conflict ends and that you can, you can create a peaceful moment is when both sides have been attended to. They've uh, been acknowledged and they have, we have figured out some sort of balance between the two. Right? So the end of World War I brought the Treaty of Versailles. And the Treaty of Versailles was kind of a, well, if not vindictive, it certainly was a punishing document 
against the Germans. It wasn't a peace treaty, right? It was sort of a submission treaty. Um, but when we talk about peace in the, from, from the word shalom, it means that there's been an acknowledgement of both sides and that there's a sense of wholeness there. And so a zevach shlamim is the opportunity to sit back and say, you know what? I'm okay. My health is, is, is relatively good. My family is relatively good. Everything is good. And it's one of those moments where you sit back and you say, thank you. I feel really good about this. And nothing extraordinary happened, but it's just a moment where I sit back and say, I'm shalem. My family's shalem. What do you think of that idea? I think it's beautiful, and I think we don't do it often enough. I was having a discussion with somebody the other day when we were saying, remember the early days of the COVID quarantine when we were wiping down our mail with you know alcohol swabs and we were afraid to open the door All, only three years ago uh, the level of anxiety was so much higher and there are always new causes for anxiety but it was useful to put it in context and to say and to appreciate um for you know we've been through through horrors and we've lost lives but it's it was useful just to remind ourselves how much less anxiety we're feeling at least in this one area and i, I feel like it's really important that idea of counting your blessings um it's something we need to do every day and, and i think that prayer that you mentioned um that expression of gratitude for for peace is is really important because um, we don't want to take it for granted yeah i love what you're saying i remember when covid was hitting and we were becoming aware that things were about to shut down, we had to make a decision about whether to have our Purim Carnival. You know, I mean, the world's coming to an end and we're, at, we're worried about the Purim Carnival. We decided to allow the Purim Carnival to go forward, which in retrospect was a really terrible decision, right? We shouldn't have done it. Mm -hmm. I, I, don't th I don't think we knew what we didn't know and we were kind of just grasping at straws. We, we went forward with it and we had them. So the Purim Carnival was the last thing that we did. Well, recently we had a Purim Carnival and it was, we had more than 800 people at the Purim Carnival and it was filled with joy and laughter. And, you know, I guess if we, if the temple was still standing, we would offer a Zevach Shlamim. We would offer this this offering that says, hey, you know what? We've kind of come through the storm. It's been really horrible, but we're okay. And our community is okay. And kids are growing up and they're out and about and they're doing stuff and they're enjoying their life. Just, just take a break for a second and say, thank you. This is okay. This is our Zevach Shlamim. Right, which is so much better than arguing over who was right about you know, masks or about whether we should have had a Purim Carnival or not, because some people you know, are continuing just to, to litigate or to debate those things. And I think it's much better to just appreciate that we have a vaccine now that has made us all much safer and that we are doing our best and to get back to a normal life. I couldn't agree more. But even on the everyday, we, we tend to kind of look for the hidden blessings in our lives that, that really shouldn't be hidden. But there, I, I think that in a sense, maybe Shabbat kind of is a nice substitute for the Zeva Shlamim. If you have your Shabbat table and you're sitting with your family and you bless your children, there's that moment when you say, gosh, you know, I have a lot. There is a lot to be thankful for. And so 
here is that opportunity just to take a breath and say, thank you. My Zavach Shlamim is, is right here, and uh, I'm offering it today. I like, I like that. I think it's something we, we all really need to think about more. And I have, but I have a question for you related to this. Um, I've always wondered what happened to the animal sacrifices after they were sacrificed. Did the, what happened to the meat? What happened to the food that I can't imagine that it was, that it was allowed to go to waste. I, this is a great question. And so the only sacrifice that was fully burnt was the, um, khatat, the, uh, sin offering, because a person was offering that to God for something that they did wrong. It's a plea for forgiveness, to be sure, but in a way, the meat is tainted by the act. And so that is given wholly to God. But otherwise, the other sacrifices were eaten by the priests. This was, um, this was how the priests earned their livelihood. They were not allowed to own land. So let's say that one of us would offer that zevach shlamim, and we brought some animal, let's say a goat. The edible parts of the animal were taken by the priests and eaten, and the, the non-edible parts were sacrificed to God. Now, why is it that the priests were allowed to eat that? And the answer is, is that's where the, all of these laws of purity come into being. The priests are physically in a state between the normal human being and God. They're in this intermediary place. And so when they eat the sacrifice, they're sort of in this place where they can actually accept the holiness of the offering on behalf of God and on behalf of the people. And that's why, by the way, the Torah is so specific in the book of Leviticus about what happens if the priest is in a state of impurity, if a priest comes across a dead body or comes into contact with something that makes that deems the priest impure, they're no longer allowed to eat the sacrifice. So that had an impact on the life of the priest and the priest's family. And so this was this is how the priest, in a sense, earned their livelihood. And what's an interesting issue is that in a way this this kind of leads to sacraments. This notion of ingesting the holiness of the sacrifice is interpreted by Christians as a way of ingesting the body of Christ. And so you kind of see this through line from the sacrificial cult all the way to Christianity itself. That's really interesting. I, I like the idea that it's um, become a part of the, the normal routine of, of life, right? You just you eat the, this and it becomes, for the priests anyway, a very common, unexceptional part of the of their day-to-day -day life and, and, and something they appreciate in the spirit, I guess, of the Zavak Shlamim. So in that spirit, I want to just say that uh, speaking with you weekly is a, uh, it's a blessing and I don't want to take it for granted. So uh, I will offer my Zevach Shlamim in honor of our podcast today. Uh, same here. I really uh, always look forward to our talks. Thank you, Rabbi. <laughs>